The Oklahoma Sooners picked up commitment number three late on Monday afternoon. We're locked on Sooners live. We can't wait to talk about that and some other recruiting nuggets with you, as well as getting you ready for the spring game with our takes on the best position battles here on Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. And shout out to the Everyday Club for making Locked On Sooners their first listen every single day. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. The show is at Locked On Sooners. Make sure you've hit that subscribe button, that like, and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop on YouTube. Josh, we have a commitment. It's like, we had no commitments, and then all of a sudden in the last three, four weeks, now we've got three. Tonight, uh, just after 8 o'clock or so on Monday night, wide receiver Kelly K.J. Daniels out of Louisiana commits to the Oklahoma Sooners. Nice little nice little run that Oklahoma has all of a sudden found itself on on the recruiting trail, really dating back to Kevin Sperry's commitment. I know that's the 2025 class and this the 2024 class. But uh, timeline-wise, John, I think it sort of shakes out about like we suspected or what now, at least under Brent Venable's leadership, sort of the, the timeline of commitments from last year to this year and sort of what I think we can expect now and going forward. Probably not going to uh, get off to the same start that maybe others will in their recruiting classes. But then once you get toward the spring game for Oklahoma – and then once you get past the spring game, all of a sudden one commit turns into two, three, four commits. And all of a sudden we look up a month or two months time from now and Oklahoma's in the double figure territory with commitments. It feels like you read the tea leaves out there, John, that that's where this thing is headed. But Newcomb, Hawkins, Daniels, it's a nice little foundation that Oklahoma started off with here in 24. Yeah, and it's really easy to look at Caden, or sorry, Kelly Daniels, you know, star status, his recruiting profiles and kind of not be excited, but please, I would really recommend that you go watch this guy on huddle because the dude's got speed for days. It's that famous line from uh, the longest yard with Adam Sandler, you know, the little squirrely guys in the locker room talking about Nelly. And he's like, he's fast. He he's super fast. He he's so fast. He makes fast people look not so fast. That's, that's Kelly Daniels to a T. I mean, the dude just runs by people all the time. He, you know, even guys that have a good angle on him, they're, they're dust. You know, he can catch a screen pass, run all the way across the field, then run back across the field and then beat people down the sideline. It, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that this cat is Marquise Brown, but that's the image I get in my head when I watch him is the speed that is otherworldly. He plays in Louisiana, a, you know, a school that probably very few people have heard of. So his recruiting profile is probably not going to be very high, but I guarantee you by the time this is all said and done, everybody's going to rate him at some point. And it would not surprise me if he finds himself as a four star by the end of the cycle, because speed kills and you can't teach it. And he's got it. And he reminds me you know, again, another, another, you know, Oklahoma wide receiver, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Jaquay's Petaway. just got that straight line speed, but also the agility to make guys miss in the open field. 
it's crazy to watch. So I, before you just kind of try to act underwhelmed or you try to, you know, diminish the commitment, just please watch the guy play because Emmett Jones sees something in him. Jeff Levy sees something in him. And so there's something to this kid. Uh, you know, yes, he doesn't have the big power five offers. You got a Texas tech offer. You got a Cincy offer, but the kid's good. The kid can play. Yeah. And Oklahoma got in early into the recruiting process for Kelly Daniels. I have no doubt watching the tape as I am uh, right now, John, everything that you talked about. I mean, the ability to just go behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage, catch the football, and then just go make something happen in space or make somebody miss, get out in space, use that acceleration, and then once you're past those first couple of defenders, off to the races because of that speed, that get behind the defense speed or get away from the defense speed or make the defense miss type speed and deceleration and acceleration. So I I like what I see. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't have the, the lengthy offer sheet from a bunch of the traditional Power five uh, powers, the the Alabamas, et cetera, et cetera, of the world that uh, maybe would would merit that uh, three, four, five-star rating right now, John. But, man, I'm just looking at it. Texas Tech, Louisiana Tech, Houston, Cincinnati. There's plenty of folks that are right there, Tulane, that are nearby, that have seen what Kelly Daniels is all about. And this will be somebody that rises up boards. No doubt will be a three-star minimum. By the time this thing is done, he's just the speed. He could, he could maybe, maybe flirt with the the four stars. I think before it's all said and done, John, there there will probably be some that just strictly based on the the height alone won't have him rated as others. But man, just the ability to go make plays out in space, I can see what Emmett Jones in Oklahoma like about him. Definitely worth a flyer if if that's how you want to determine this. Yeah, and, and it is a bit surprising to me that he did commit at this point because it, it, I feel like there's time for him to continue to grow his status. We got folks in the comments saying you know he'll flip to LSU if they ever offer. I mean, that's always a possibility to get the in-state you know offer. It's huge, but he talks about Emmett Jones and his relationship being the deciding factor really there. And Emmett Jones has built this relationship. He got in on the ground floor when he was over at Tech, and. So that, that translates a little bit. I mean, yes, he's an LSU fan, but I mean, if LSU doesn't come calling and at some point, at what point does he like feel disrespected that LSU hasn't come calling? You know what I mean? Like there comes a point in time where you want to be, you want to be appreciated for what you are. You want to be, you know, pursued. I mean, it's just like any relationship. You want to feel like you're important. And to this point, LSU hasn't felt that uh, for Kelly Daniels, but Oklahoma has. And if you're looking to make plays, who better to throw the football to you than maybe Jackson Arnold and Michael Hawkins and Kevin Sperry. And this kid has got the speed to be able to be a difference maker at the collegiate level. So it's, it's going to be interesting to, to see kind of where it all transpires. But I mean, that's one wide receiver in the room. I would not be surprised at all to see him take one or two more. Uh, I mean, Bryant Wesco is still the big target. Um, and that's going to be a commitment that's going to be hard to get because everybody's after this kid as well. Um, or I shouldn't say as well, but everybody's after him. He's a five-star player now in, in a lot of circles. So uh, that's going to be a big recruitment to watch. But it's good to start seeing the dominoes trickling, the dominoes starting to fall for Oklahoma. And word on the street is there's going to be another you know commitment, maybe two, uh, coming up during the spring game weekend or, or shortly thereafter. So recruiting things are starting to flow. Uh, we can talk Isaiah Autry for a little bit. 
Got a crystal ball from Steve Wiltfong. Isaiah Autry, the interesting connection there. Marcus Dupree's cousin, uh, but an offensive lineman um, from the southeast uh, out of Mississippi, I believe. And uh, three-star player right now, but again, the tape looks good. And you trust Bill Biedenboe that just because he's a three-star, that doesn't mean anything. Remember, we had, we've had a five-star in on campus recently that didn't really turn out to do a whole lot for the Sooners. So don't sleep on the three-stars. Don't sleep on the four-stars. Don't sleep even on the unrated kids because the coaching staff sees something in them. You trust their evaluations, and you got to trust what they're doing here. Well, and 66280 is a, a nice little starting point. So if that's uh you know three star right here, let's see where it winds up. Again, something that probably because of that frame add a little bit of weight, and all of a sudden it winds up as a blue chip type prospect for Oklahoma. I- I've said with offensive line, offensive tackle, guard, you name it, any- anything up front, John, that I would like to see Oklahoma get to where they're mixing and matching a little bit more the Caden Greens with the Autries of the world. Not that recruiting's this. Totally perfect science, but, you know, look, uh, everybody likes to get a four and a five-star in the class, and maybe Autry winds up that way, John. I think that's an easy argument to make just based on 66280, and maybe just, you know, more and more people as this recruiting process goes on get aware to who Autry is. But that being said, get Autry and then go get you a four or a five-star as well. We'll have more recruiting talk here after we talk to y'all about FanDuel here in a second. Uh, we'll mention David Stone. There's a question about that in the chat. Uh, we'll see what's going to go on there, but we'll talk about that after Josh talks to y'all about FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're back. That means Major League Baseball season is back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers, Step up to the plate, no sweat, first bet up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com backslash locked on where you can sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in your bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get that no sweat, first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com backslash locked on to sign up. FanDuel an official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Just real quickly, can we play uh, cleanup on some of the recruiting nuggets there and and then we can talk a little bit of uh, David Stone? Just again, when you look at Autry, the crystal ball there, the three commitments in 24, John. Again, this is why I say off the top, the momentum is starting to roll downhill for Oklahoma in this class. And I would just urge everyone to remember that with Oklahoma recruiting now and going into these next couple of classes, this is the formula for Oklahoma. Going to start sort of slow, and then all of a sudden you get past the spring game in those couple months beyond, and uh, all of a sudden we're going to look up and Oklahoma is going to have a really, really good class. And then uh, for for Daniels, John, I just would say about the LSU deal, 
there's probably some serious truth to the fact that LSU is sort of the dream offer, right? And when that comes down the pipe, that could be that, that could totally change things in his recruitment. But having said that, I feel like we've kind of we've kind of walked this with some Oklahoma in-state guys. And if in-state guys don't get that offer from the, the school that maybe even they really, really like, and we could go up and down the list. There's plenty of guys recently, John, that it either never came or the offer from Oklahoma took too long from the previous staff into the new staff. There is, there is a propensity for feelings to get hurt and to get hurt pretty quickly and for that not to totally fade, even when you get that dream offer. So I hear you. Yeah, that would be dangerous if you get the LSU offer in there, but there's something to be said for Oklahoma offering and getting the commitment early. You're right. And it's Cole Adams. Like that was the kid, the Oklahoma kid wide receiver in the 2023 cycle that Oklahoma kind of came back to after Ashton Cozart flipped to Oregon and they decided, okay, now we'll offer this kid. Well, he was kind of like, I'm not going to be anybody's second fiddle. Like I'm not playing second fiddle to anybody. And he ended up at Alabama and that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. So that's just one example right there uh, to speak about. So about David Stone, you guys are ready for it. Uh, looks like on three now has Oklahoma in the lead for David Stone. I mean, the projections, everything has kind of leaned that way for a long time. It's still going to be one of those commitments or those recruitments that is going to take some time. I don't think we're anywhere near a commitment at this point. And it, you, we listen to Parker, our guy Parker Thune, OU Insider 247 Sports, or John Garcia from here on the Locked On Network. And everybody expects David Stone's recruitment to continue to go on and probably go into his senior year. I don't think there's any any movement or any uh, urgency on his part to, to commit. What it does sound like, though, is that Michigan State has kind of fallen behind Oklahoma in this recruitment. But you still got to watch out for the the – the typical schools like the Texas A&M's, the Miami's, you know, these these big time programs with big time pocketbooks that could come in here and and, and sway him. Now, David Stone's going to be in Norman for the spring game. That's always huge to be able to get your top targets at your spring game. Show them the atmosphere. Show them what it looks like. Show them that, hey, look at what what uh, these these kids are doing or the fans are doing. Sorry, I always get distracted by the chat show these kids what the fans are doing um for just a spring game i think it it resonates with with the recruits like if they're gonna be like this what's it gonna be like when they come for a game in the fall you know when they play oklahoma state and bedlam or you know what the sec hype is going to be like when alabama comes to town the first time like it's going to be ridiculous and uh so yeah I, i david stone i still feel pretty good about again it's going to be a matter of can they finish it? You know, can they run the race? Can they, you know, finish strong in the recruitment and continue to, to keep themselves out in front with David stone. Again, it's the big fish. Like that's the one they've got to land. Uh, yes. Williams, Duenary, Nigel Smith, those two would be huge additions as well. But to me, they profile more as edge guys that can play a little bit on the inside. Whereas stone is a legit defensive tackle interior player that's going to be a big time interior defensive line prospect that they can add so they got to get that one gotcha Uh, totally agree and because of the history right where he's from the 
just the the recruitment, how it's kind of played out. It feels like with Gerald McCoy, and I mean, he's tweeting things that I'm coming back home, OU football, and that's I mean, that's no guarantee in this and that. But look, there's a there's an obvious pull that on some level he's telling you, OU football is home. Now, is that ultimately going to be the final destination? There's gonna be some uh, strong influences, let's say, from other places, but it. That is definitely a factor here for David Stone. And when that is the case, that means that uh, probably you need to get that thing accomplished and uh, win that recruitment, especially just given the track record for Oklahoma. We're waiting, right? We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. When is OU going to get that big-time five-star defensive tackle? This just feels like a lot of the a lot of the pieces to the puzzle are sort of aligning into place for Oklahoma to win one of these big-time recruitments. And if not David Stone, then – I think that's going to turn Oklahoma, this fan base, into a full-fledged panic if and when it's not that way. But I think it, I think ultimately it is going to be that way. And I think what On3 and others are putting out there is what's going to be uh, exactly right. And I would say this to you too, John, not that this was necessarily in, in danger, but uh, getting David Stone ensuring that he will be at his first Sooner spring game that had to get done. That would have been such a swing and a miss by this staff if that was not taking place. But uh, it is taking place, and he is going to be – He's gonna. it's going to be easy, John, to feel the love and the importance that this fan base is putting on his recruitment, probably more so than most recruits when they come to Norman. Yeah, he's going to be the one to watch, and I, I think most people are excited that he's going to be there because you – you feel like you haven't had the type that you think could end up being a you know first round draft pick at defensive tackle in quite some time. I mean, Gerald McCoy, probably the last dude that came to Norman, you felt like was a legit difference maker from day one. You haven't had that. Now there have been really good players, guys that are playing in the league right now. Neville Gallimore, you know. Uh, <sighs> Blanket on names, uh, Neville Gallimore, and who's the other guy that played for the Dallas Cowboys for a minute? Um, anyway, Perry Winfrey's in the league. Like you got defensive tackles that are in the league, so it's, but they they haven't been these transcendent players at Oklahoma. So you got to end up getting this guy. You really do, and it, it feels more important than what they've done at the quarterback position, because we we've talked about this on countless occasions that we feel confident that they're going to be able to get four or five star players at Oklahoma at quarterback. We feel confident they're going to be able to get four and five star wide receivers, but it's been more than a decade before, you know, since they've landed, you know, five star defensive players class after class after class. And you got to in the 2023 cycle with Peyton Bowen and PJ Atabari. Now you got to get them with David stone. You got to land it with Williams Nuanary. You got to stack. This is how Georgia has become so dominant because they keep stacking five stars, five stars, five stars. Do all of them end up being great? Not necessarily, but you put yourself in a much better position to be great when you land guys that are considered the best players in the class year after year after year. But I'm, I, I'm like a lot of y'all in the chat. I'm still feeling really confident about what Oklahoma is going to be able to do in the 24 cycle. And I think it's going to, potentially be as good or better than it was in the 2023 cycle simply because of what they're going to do up front defensively with stone Nuaneri, Nigel Smith. They're looking really, really strong as things stand right now with those three guys. 
But again, it's about finishing the race. Jordan Phillips, is that maybe a name that, that you were thinking about? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Bottom line is, as I'm looking at some of the, I'm looking at Oklahoma's list of draftees over the last, you know, however many years, and th- there's not a ton beyond the the names that we've mentioned in, in terms of defensive tackles from the University of Oklahoma over the last 15, however many years. So, yes, uh, that's been a missing link for Oklahoma, and and uh, the the message that was in there from Dion that Stone has been to OU eight times. He has. He's been here a lot. And yet, and I don't know that this was necessarily in reference to what I said, John, but to me, the spring game different because it's a visit where you're going to feel the fan base and they're, you, you, it's palpable. You could see that on Twitter and social media, but man, when you're talking about thousands of people at the spring game and maybe they put that picture up on the video board and all of a sudden people go crazy because you're David Stone, that is a recruiting piece that even though you've been here you know, however many times that can't get duplicated, John. No, it can't. You've got to be able to, you got to be able to land five-star blue chip players on both sides of the ball. So far in the Brent Venables era, he's proven that he can do that. In 2022, they landed a really, really good class. 2023, they even bettered that. And I mean, it, it was more blue chip prospects on defense. I think it was like 16 blue chip prospects and 10 or 11 of them. I can't remember the number off the top of my head came from the defensive side of the ball. And and that's why this this staff and this program are still hitting in a really, really good trajectory. trajectory excuse me, lost all my words for a second. Because of what they've done on the recruiting trail so far in this class. It's just, they're doing a really good job. They can flat out recruit. And I think they're going to end up with a really, really good class again because of what they're doing defensively up front. Got to get David Stone though. Getting them getting him to Norman this weekend where not only can he can recruit or the, the staff can recruit, but players can spend time recruiting. You know, you get a PJ Atabari in there, just talking shop. You get a guy like Caden green, you know, talking shop a little bit, you know, Jackson Arnold going to bat for him. You know, all these guys being able to just sit and like have a chance to meet with these guys and talk to them and talk to them about the program and what it's like. Like, I think that makes, that makes a difference. Uh, in addition to what the coaches have been speaking to him, having the players talk to him about it as well. I think that goes a long way to giving them an understanding of what it like, what it's like to be an Oklahoma sooner, you know, it, it, and this is a great opportunity to do that, to see the game day atmosphere, to, to be there and, and have a chance to talk and hang out. Um, you know, we, we talked to Kevin Sperry, you know, about a month ago and he talked about the times that he's gotten to talk with Jackson Arnold to hear what it's like to be in the offense and things like that. The the same is going to be said for the guys on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, Big time. It's going to be huge. It's huge. Um, it's going to be a big time commitment once it comes down the pike. It's just a matter of when, I think, not if. And I'm going to put that as my bold prediction. They'll end up with David Stone. They'll get Williams Winery. They'll get Nigel Smith. And then we'll sit here, you know, eight months from now and we're like, man, why were we, excuse me, why were we even worried about what Oklahoma was going to do on the recruiting trail? Because, man, they're just, they're crushing it every single time. Odds that odds that this spring game, David Stone leaves as an Oklahoma commit beginning of next week. Not high? Anything can happen. I, man, I don't know the mind of a high school kid. I can't pre- predict what they're going to do. But Come on, Dean Blevins. Give me a percentage. <laughs> I'm going to put it at 
less than 5%. So I'm saying there's a chance because there's always a chance. He could just decide, you know what? I'm good. Let's do this, you know, and put it out there Saturday evening after, you know, vibing with the Sooners all day and then just decide he's going to be an Oklahoma Sooner. Get, he can get around other prospects and just be like, I'm committing today. Who's coming with me? Jerry Maguire, like, I'm going. Who's coming with me? And then just decide to start recruiting on that front. I mean, that would be huge, too, if they could get him or Nwaneri in as a commitment in the spring so that those guys can do the, the work that the quarterback does, too. You know, like, those guys can be recruiting the defensive guys. I think that would be huge if they could end up somehow – getting that commitment, that'd be huge. Yeah, I don't think uh, anybody's under the illusion that probably we're going to be having this uh, Locked On Sooners live in one week's time, and suddenly he suddenly he'll already be on board. But, man, that would be uh, an interesting development. Several commits, though, out of the spring game. Yes, no, the one and a half, if I set the over-under there for Oklahoma, within two weeks' time coming out of the spring game, would you say – over, under, what do you think? Oh, give me the over. If it's one and a half and you give me two weeks for that mm-hmm. to hit, I'm taking the over on that because they're going to get one this weekend. I can tell you that much. They're going to get one this weekend. Okay. It would not surprise me if they get a second one, um, even this weekend. So two within the next you know, 14 days from April 22nd, yeah, I'm feeling real confident about that. So I'll, I'll take the the odds on that, you know, over under on that one. Um, who it's going to be exactly, I'm not sure as far as the second one. I feel pretty confident about who I know is the first one. Uh, but that, again, I thought that was going to be the next one. And then here we have KJ Daniels uh, committing out of the blue on a Tuesday or a Monday night. Um, so if you haven't joined, if you're just now joining us here on the show, we spent some time talking about the the third commitment in the 2024 cycle, KJ Daniels dude's got speed for days, just an absolute lightning bolt out on the football field, just blows by people all the time. He's going to be a really impactful player wherever he ends up. Hopefully he ends up signing with the Oklahoma Sooners. Apparently LSU is also a big time uh, factor in this, although they haven't offered yet. So we'll continue to track that over the rest of the cycle, but that's a big time commitment for them. We got a few questions, Josh, that, that people were talking about. Um, Dion's wondering how's Grayson Halton doing, uh, from what Todd Bates said last week that he's just a natural pass rusher, that he's looking really, really good in camp right now, uh, for him, for a guy like Davin Sears, they're still trying to kind of figure out how to play the run a little bit more. Uh, but as pass rushers, he, he really, really likes what Grayson Halton, uh, and Davin Sears are, are bringing to the table. Well, uh, and then there's this breaking news that uh, Jaden Davis is your latest transfer portal defection. What do you make of that for the cornerback room? It's uh, obviously takes somebody out of the mix that has played some significant snaps for Oklahoma. And it's certainly uh, debatable about what those snaps looked like at times. I think there was some good, but obviously it was, it was like a lot of Oklahoma secondary play and particularly at uh, I would say both cornerback positions, John, very roller coastery, right? Some good, but some really, really not so good as well. Wish Jaden Davis well, but kind of makes you feel like there's going to be a different name, right? That uh, maybe Dolby is—is is that kind of the obvious jump to make that Dolby starts alongside Woody Washington? It would seem maybe uh, Gentry Williams and Makari Vickers, I think, will factor into it as well. There's been a lot of really good positive buzz about Josiah Wagner. 
I mean, he's he's making an impact early in camp as well. I just don't imagine that they would start two freshmen on the at cornerback, uh, one at slot and one on the outside. So I think Kendall Dolby will factor in at one of those spots. You could see Josiah Wagner uh, being your slot corner, but it wouldn't surprise me if Makari Vickers just came out there and blew it up and you know was your starting outside corner as well because the dude just got that that kind of tenaciousness in him that that attitude that you need to be able to play cornerback you know just put me on an island let me go get the ball like they're not going to throw at me because nobody's getting open i just Bakari vickers just has that kind of game to him uh that mentality so it would not surprise me at all to see him start but for Jaden davis you know this is a dude that started 20 games 20 plus games for the sooners so it's not like he was a bad player i just think that he was a player on a bad defense and sorry, that sounded really bad. He was a player. Um, no, he was he was a guy that, you know, had his ups and downs um, on a better defense, probably would have been better. You know, a defense that had a more consistent pass rush. Mm. He probably wouldn't have gotten exposed as much. But yeah, you, you just look at him. And I think we've talked about it on the show is that you you hoped one of your younger guys, a Gentry Williams, a Makari Vickers, Kel- Kendall Dolby would go ahead and win that job. And it looks like the writings on the wall here as you know, Dominic's mentioning. Um, and, and it was the same thing for Corey Roberson, who we talked about on yesterday's show that as we approach the spring game, that they kind of had fallen down the death chart quite a bit. Um, now who has risen up and taken that starting, you know, cornerback job to this point. Uh, we'll find out on Saturday, we'll, we'll get a good two deep and we'll see, you know, what, what this all looks like. But yeah, I think that's just what it was for Jaden Davis is, you know, a guy that was recruited by Alex Grinch saw significant snaps under Alex Grinch. Brent Venables, you know, trusted him as a veteran player uh, to be able to roll him out there and and not get completely exposed. Um, there were times, obviously, that he got beat and all corners get beat, but he could at least rely on him to be a veteran presence, know what he was supposed to do within the scheme and, and trust that. But you saw that as the season emerged or you know, continued along late in the year, CJ Colden kind of usurped him as the starting cornerback on the, on the right side of the or left side of the defense. So it, it's not that big of a surprise to see him transfer. I figured it would be after the spring game, but you know, it's, it's that time of the year where everybody's really trying to find a new home and, you know, there's only going to be so many spots out there. You got to get your name in the portal early. If you really want to find a job, uh, because there's so many kids in the portal that aren't going anywhere. And we've seen a lot of Oklahoma Sooners end up at, you know, group of five schools, uh, aside from a uh, David Aguebu and uh, I think it was Cedric Baxter, maybe that ended up at um, uh, Arizona state. No, maybe he was at Texas state and then somebody else ended up at Arizona state. I can't remember exactly who, but um, it's yeah, it, it, it is what it is. It's just kind of the, the natural attrition of coaching change and transition and Oklahoma. I mean, they signed, you know, seven defensive backs in the 2023 cycle in addition to the three blue trippers they added in 2022 and Jaden Rowe and Gentry Williams and Robert Spears Jennings, but at quarter cornerback alone over the last two classes, they've added like six or five, you know, blue chip prospects. So the death chart was getting a little crowded and that's just kind of what happens sometimes when you're a veteran player and you've kind of had an up and down career. And, you know, your hope is that part of this is some young guys are doing some nice things throughout the spring and the writing sort of now all of a sudden on the, on the wall here that the coaching staff likes a lot of what they've seen from guys that they signed in, in last year's class, John, 
or that they brought in in this signing class and you went and got a transfer portal edition at corner. So probably the writing is just kind of on the wall in that respect that somebody that again, has played a lot of football at Oklahoma and Jaden Davis just realizes that unfortunately individually for himself, he's probably going to be one of the odd uh, folks out at the university of Oklahoma. So you, you look for a different landing spot. Certainly, certainly wish him well center at uh, Oklahoma offensive line. I think people are probably pretty interested just in general with what's going on across the offensive line. Uh, Rame, I mean, is it time to take the next step? Is it going to happen? I mean, I think so. I think of the centers that they've got, he's the one that's the most reliable. I mean, he's the one that Bill Biedenboe trusts. And so I expect him to be your starter. And then you look at Nate Anderson, who's going to be making the switch from guard to center. And you got Joshua Bates. And I feel like that's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty solid. You know, Andrew Rame, he's been good, I think. You know, I, I don't think he's been the, you know, a dominant player. He hasn't been Creed Humphrey, but that's, that, that's like asking, you know, Landry Jones to be Sam Bradford, you know, like, Asking Andrew Rame to come in and be Creed Humphrey, that's those are big shoes to fill. And he's again, I think he's been a good player, but because he hasn't been Creed Humphrey, I think he's been a little bit um underrated in a sense. Uh, and so I think he's good. Like I think he's a good player. If he can stay healthy, you know, that's been kind of the, the biggest issue at times for Andrew Rame is staying healthy. And so that's where that depth is going to be important. Now, Nate Anderson, I mean, he was a four-star player coming out of high school, uh, the top you know, player in the 2020 recruiting class which is pretty significant, you know, like uh, at, and he was out of Texas. So, you know, highly regarded guy. Um, and then, you know, you got Joshua Bates who we love, like, and Bill Biedenboe couldn't say enough about him. Uh, said he's got a lot, he still has to learn, but he's doing all the right things so far in camp. He's, you know, he's a physical guy. He's nasty. He's going to be a dude that Oklahoma Sooners fans absolutely love because he just brings his, not to you know, use coach speak, but he brings his lunch pail to work and, and, you know, he just beats you with it. You know, that's just what he does. Um, that's just Joshua Bates, man. And so there, there will come a time for him. I don't think it's going to be this year. And, but I, because I think Andrew Rame is a good player and I think they're going to, they're going to win a lot of games with Andrew Rame at center. I would say to me, Rame clearly needs to be better. The interior of Oklahoma's offensive line collectively can be better really just the whole group can be closer to what Oklahoma has been accustomed with championship football, right? It's been, it's been several seasons. I mean, it's been about what half a decade since you've had a Joe Moore award type winning offensive line. 17 uh, obviously was historic 18, uh, really, really good. And then uh, you, you 17 and 18, both of those two years. And then since it kind of feels like collectively we've been searching for Oklahoma to get, back to that where you feel like hey you got to go lean on the run game go lean on the run game late and uh, Oklahoma needs to get to that point so I guess what I'm saying is yes Andrew Rame individually John needs to take that next step but I also think he's a little bit a victim of his surroundings in the sense that all of the other parts just haven't been as good as it's been at Oklahoma in years past now if he doesn't crank it up to that next level John because of some of the things and the personnel that you mentioned right there guess what he's he's going to be on the outside looking in and they're going to go a different direction because I think coach Biedenboe in Oklahoma understands it's time to to get back to that Oklahoma standard of offensive line yeah it, it is and some of it is that's also an offensive unit that's under transition as well you know it's a different scheme going from what Lincoln Riley liked to do a lot of guard tackle pull to what you know Jeff Levy likes to do which I think is a little more power based a little more outside zone 
so it does take a little bit of a transition. Now, offensive line is offensive line is offensive line, but you know, perhaps they want a little bit different type um, for Jeff Levy's offense than they wanted for Lincoln Riley's offense. Um, so yeah, it, I, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, spring position battles, Josh, you know, we talked about wide receiver a little bit last night. One that I'm really looking forward to watching is defensive tackle. You know, I really want to see, um, you know, some of those guys like a Jacob Lacey just have a really strong game. I'd feel a lot more comfortable about where they stand. If he just came out and had a really good game, uh, both as a run defender and as a pass rusher, I think they need to, they need to have a really strong game, uh, to, I don't know, show that they're ready to kind of take a step forward as a defensive unit. Uh, is there another, you know, we mentioned wide receiver on the show last night. You can talk about that one, or if there's another position group that you're really looking forward to watching this, this weekend. Well, I think I was looking forward to seeing this group in general anyways, but now that you just got one more piece of attrition with Jaden Davis out of the picture, I think that, you know, kind of cranks up the importance to see what's going on at cornerback for Oklahoma. I, I said uh, to me, both wide receiver and cornerback, both would be the two positions that, uh, a, I would like to see Oklahoma, if they could add a piece or two via the transfer portal, if there was that impact guy straight away, those would be the two respective position groups that I'd like to see Oklahoma add talent in straight away. And then uh, B, that means, okay, well, I want to see what the heck's on campus right now for Oklahoma at the uh, spring game for both. So cornerback, I think because of the departure of Jaden Davis, it just goes up even another notch. But man really anywhere defensively you could you could probably talk me into yeah that i think everywhere on the defensive side of the football now we saw the defense do well against oklahoma's offense during the spring game last year when somebody other than dylan gabriel was in at quarterback that's going to be fun to watch is okay now you got two quarterbacks that you can feel like can throw the football as opposed to last year where it was like they just didn't trust micah bowens or nick evers to actually throw the football a whole lot we're going to get to see a lot of Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold and some Davis Bevel as well. Uh, the linebackers, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, folks are mentioning that in the chat. The linebacker room, I think, is going to be a really good group. They're young. They're inexperienced. But by the time it's all said and done, the 2022-2023 group of linebackers that Oklahoma signed, that's going to be a stout, stout group. And that's why you look at a Peyton Pierce that committed to Ohio State, and you don't feel so bad about it because you've got blue chippers across the last two classes that you've added that you haven't really seen yet. And so you're, you're kind of you got Danny Stutzman. Then you got, you know, Jaron Canick, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, your 2022 guys. And then just behind them, you got the Sammy Omasigos, the Lewis Carters, Phil Picciotti that you feel great about. Like that's a really good group of seven linebackers that you can work with and you can start to develop. They're athletic, they're fast, they're tough, they're physical, so that's a lot of fun. So I think that's going to be a really fun group to watch, especially, you know, in the, you know, some of the run fits where you talk about like, you know, uh, guys like Stutzman having a fit on Javante, or I guess probably we won't see much of Javante Barnes, but maybe a Gavin Sawchuk, you know, filling the hole. How is the run defense improving? Because I think they'll run the football a lot in this game. Seeing them again, like Tommy Walker, speaking of running backs real quick, seems like he's having a really, really strong camp right now and could be a guy that's going to mix in for quite a few running back snaps that I wasn't really expecting to. Um, you just, I think the thing that stood out was uh, Dylan Gabriel's mic'd up and it was like Ta Wee Walker running like back-to-back -back rushing touchdowns with the first team offense. Like, okay, so he's, he's proving his uh, medal right now in spring camp with Javante Barnes being out. It seems like he's the guy that's kind of taking that step forward, but 
yeah, the, the linebackers, that's a group that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I really, really think they're going to end up being one of the best units on this team for the 2023 season. If you take quarterback out of the equation, because look, we could retroactively go back and say, well, you know, Dylan Gabriel was a really, really solid college quarterback. And Oh, by the way, Jackson Arnold winds up being this Heisman trophy winner. And, you know, kind of is the next in line of those great Oklahoma quarterbacks that we've seen recently and we've seen historically, and especially so since uh, Stoops obviously took over in Norman. So if you take quarterback out of the picture, John, I don't think it's crazy that linebacker does wind up being the most talented group on this Oklahoma football team. That's totally a possibility. And one name that uh, because he's working at Cheetah, we didn't mention, I mean, I think McCullough you toss into into that mix with those guys too. And we didn't really mention it just because, again, he's sort of, uh, you know, he's kind of playing a little bit of a hybrid role out there where you're you're a little bit of a, a coverage linebacker at the cheetah spot. But, uh, man, I, I I like that group. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see individually McCola. What, what, what does the next step look like for Stutzman? I mean, on and on and on with guys that are uh, linebackers at Oklahoma. Yeah, if – if you phrase the question to me, John, not as, okay, what are you concerned about, guys, that you need to see in the spring game? Because I think that's, I don't know. I got to start being glass half full or something. <laughs> because I like for me, it's like, well, I got to see what's going on with the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what linebacker looks like just because I'm, again, I, I think it's a really good position group for OU. So what do you think is Oklahoma's strongest position group? Safeties, running back? linebacker quarterback exclude quarterback because that is that's easy money right there man running backs hard to to argue against for me they, they appear to be very deep i know javante barnes is nursing the injury but i think barnes and sachuk are both going to be stars beyond that i love what you've uh, brought in but man i think uh linebacker i think linebacker is uh top to bottom where i'd I'd go right now and safety I, I would consider, but we just, we got to see more, right? I mean, if Peyton Bowen's a star from day one, okay, well then yeah, alongside Bowman and others, then now you're talking, but I don't know that you can necessarily sign up for that just yet. Yeah. And there's, you know, there, there's opportunities for them to add some players as well, you know, after the spring game, but I, I think we're going to get a lot of answers about this group. Um, at Oklahoma spring game. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the running backs. I'm intrigued by the wide receiver group. I, again, I love Jaleel Farouk, but, um, but I, I would say that the one I feel most confident about outside of quarterback is the running back group. I feel great about Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, you know, Tommy Walker, Marcus major, uh, Dalen Smothers and um, Caleb Hicks. So I, I think that's going to be a really, really good group. Uh, Stubby's asking about Corey Roberson. Nah, man, that that's kind of one of those. He played a lot less than, uh, Jaden Davis did and didn't really have much of an impact. I mean, he, his last kind of impactful season was back in 2021. So it, it's one of those, he didn't really have a role on this team. Wasn't going to work himself up the two depth or up into the two deep. Again, one of those writing on the wall departures. He just had to go somewhere else if he wanted to play. So, um, yeah, it seems like that's been a, a lot of the case for everybody that's transferred out, you know, and, and maybe that's just the, you know, the Oklahoma Sooner fan in me or, you know, just the crimson colored glasses. But it seems like all the guys that left aside from a David Aguebu who left because he was a grad transfer, 
seems like everybody else was gone because they weren't going to have a role on this team. This team had gone beyond what they're capable, what they were capable of. And it was just time to move on time to see, you know, see greener pastures somewhere else because it wasn't going to happen in Oklahoma for him. I think this is a fascinating big picture question. What are realistic goals on points scored and points allowed for this year? And Blake, I'll take that as a scoring offense, scoring defense per game type number. Uh, Maybe you're asking total points, but so Oklahoma last season was 32nd nationally in scoring offense. Uh, actually a little bit below the pace of where they were in terms of total offense. They were better than that in terms of yardage that uh, they were putting up nationally. Didn't convert, you know, as relative to what the total offense number was, they were a little bit below that in scoring offense. Tied 32nd nationally with 32.8. So I would say, John, you you start there and say, based on the fact that, again, at times it seemed like Oklahoma and Offensive line will go the longest way to me, John. Even even the questions that you have about wide receiver, answering the questions up front offensive line for Oklahoma goes the longest way in determining whether or not what I'm about to say next comes true. I fully suspect that Oklahoma's going to average more than 32.8 points per game. I think they'll be better offensively than, than they were a season ago, if only based uh, on, hey, everybody's kind of been a part of this Jeff Levy system for one full go-around. And uh, it's Oklahoma, and you got plenty of skill guys. I like the offensive line pieces. I know you're replacing some stuff there, but I still think you're really talented. I love the running backs, John. And I think wide receivers, before it's all said and done, we're going to come away and say, wait a second, what were we so worried about? Maybe you don't have that C.D. Lamb on this roster, but I think collectively you'll have plenty of pass catchers that can go out there, catch the football, make guys miss, do some things, uh, some yard after the catch. Again, do I think that there's a C.D. Lamb on this team? No, I don't think that's fair to say right now that there's somebody like that or a a Broyles or so on and so forth. A Clayton, you know, I mean, take your pick of great wide receivers recently for Oklahoma. But I think Oklahoma's going to be really good offensively. And then points allowed this year? Man, John, I'll let you tee off on that because it, I don't see how it can't get better. But uh, how much better, I guess, is the question here, right? Yeah, for me, it's going to be 25. That's kind of the goal that I'm looking for. Uh, this was a team that allowed 30 points per game last year. They were good-ish. Not. They were not good. They were not good. They were better down the stretch. Uh, they played well against Oklahoma State, played well against West Virginia, didn't play well against Texas Tech or Florida State. So they've got a lot of room for improvement. They've got a lot of room to get better. Uh, but I don't think they make a 10-point-per-game jump going from 30 to 20. I 25 to me is kind of a realistic number, but I, I probably would feel better about 27. But again, it, for me, it comes down not so much to points per game allowed, but coming up bigger and better on both sides of the ball in key situations. Because that's that's what happens when you lose games by you know three points or by a score is that you just weren't good enough in key situations, whether it was third down, fourth down, red zone on both sides of the ball. And that's really what it comes down to for Oklahoma. You lose so many games close like they did, and that's why. Because they couldn't make the stops when they needed to make the stops. Um, You know That Texas Tech game was infuriating to watch because they jumped out to a huge lead, and then they couldn't stop Tech at all. And down the stretch, you know, they couldn't get a stop, you know, to keep Texas Tech from tying and taking the lead. So um, that to me, I, I think 
25 points per game seems reasonable. You know, they averaged, what was it, 32, 33 points per game last year. I could see a 36, 37 point jump. Uh, maybe 35 is kind of the reasonable number. But if you do that, you you have a, a point differential of 10 on average through the season, you're probably going to win eight or nine games. But again, a lot of it comes down to how are you in close games? Do you win your close games this year or are you over like you were last year? Um, and can the defense hold their opponent under 30? Because if they do, then you're going to win a lot of games. When they did, they won every game except for the West Virginia game. That was the only game they lost when the defense held their opponent under 30. When the defense gave up 30 or more, they lost a lot. I think the only game they won in which the defense gave up 30 or more was the Kansas game. So it, it matters, you know, hold them under 30. You're likely going to win. Well, and I think obviously the key word here from Blake is, well, or phrase realistic goals for Oklahoma. You know, if things just shape out the course of the season better for Oklahoma, John, and this is maybe a little wild because this is a large number to chop off. But I do suspect that Oklahoma will be vastly improved defensively just because of the faith that I have in Venables and this staff to get, you know, basic things corrected to where third down situations, you're much better in third down situations. Defensively across the board, we don't see that, that big chunk touchdown where all of a sudden somebody's running wide open. And not that we just saw those time and time again. I would almost argue, John, that Oklahoma in the past defensively gave up more of those just like random chunk touchdowns than maybe even OU did a season ago. Uh, I don't have that uh, set of numbers in front of me, just kind of going off memory alone. Felt like Oklahoma just was kind of bad <laughs> defensively, to be frank with you, last year that it wasn't even necessarily big chunk touchdowns that they gave up. They just gave up a, a lot of drives and a lot of points and a lot of third downs in key moments. So I think that can get corrected for Oklahoma, man. And based on where Oklahoma was at, they surrendered 30 points per game. I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility for Oklahoma to chop that five points off that you're talking about, John, or a full touchdown and a PAT off, which, oh, by the way, would get them to 39th nationally where Notre Dame was at last season. So that's not even saying that you're one of the top defenses in America if you chop a full touchdown off of what you gave up last season. And, and I, you know, that's doable for Oklahoma to be a top 40, to be a top 50 defense. They absolutely have the talent and pieces in place to at least be in that neighborhood, that ballpark, John. Yeah, and that's where a lot of my optimism for this season comes from is the defense is going to be better. They can't go over in close games like they did last year. Just basically the law of averages they'll win more close games than they did a year ago. And I, I just think that, you know, this is a staff that's going to be in better position to, to lead, you know, Brent Venables now has been a head coach for a season. He knows the pitfalls. He knows what he's going to get into, uh, what he's going to struggle with. Um, but I, I do think that they're just going to be a better team all, all the way around. Even if there is less talent with Marvin Mims gone, Eric Gray gone, Anton Harrison gone, Wanya Morris gone, Chris Murray gone. I still think that overall, this is just going to be a better football team. They're going to be better, better prepared to play in those close games and win those close games that they didn't win a year ago. And that's why, you know, I read an article that like Barrett Sally writes over at CBS Sports, you know, putting Brent Venables on a list of coaches that are under pressure, along with Jimbo Fisher and Mario Cristobal and things like that. 
And I, and I kind of, I don't scoff so much, but I just think like that's, that's missing the big picture of what Brent Venables has been brought in to do for the Oklahoma Sooners. And we're not, and, and Joe Castiglione, who's a wise athletic director, arguably the best athletic director in the country, Joe Castiglione, um, he's not going to pull the plug after two seasons, three seasons. He knows what he brought Brent Venables in to do, and that's lead this program into the SEC. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a guy with his experience, his credentials, that's gone up against the SEC on the recruiting field, on the football field, and won. So that's why like, I, I do think that this team is going to be better. Even if they don't win a Big 12 championship, even if they're only like an eight or nine win team, I still feel really good about the direction because of what they're doing on the recruiting trail and how they're continuing to build this program and transition away from the Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch program. You know, we, we talk a lot of times in sports about a retooling. Well, this isn't a retooling that's happening in Norman. This is an overhaul. Like this is a legit overhaul that if you look at both offense and defense, I mean, how many starters are on this team that were starting for this team two years ago? Andrew Rame, Woody Washington. That's about it. You have two starters on this team that were starters for you back in 2021 at the beginning of that season. To me, that's mind boggling. And that's why it's going to take a bit of time. You know, this team might not be a big 12 title contender this year, but they're building towards something better, not just big 12 title contention, but they're building towards national title contention, sec title contention. And that's going to take time to build, but it's going to get there eventually. And hopefully it doesn't take too much time at all. And hopefully it's uh, about yeah, hopefully. there when, <laughs> hopefully it's about there when we kick off 2023, I would say it's so obvious that Brent Venables is under immense pressure going into 2023. I mean, let's just, just call it what it is. Oklahoma had its first losing season since 1998. So he, yeah, he's under immense pressure. Is Joe Castiglione going to pull the plug after two years? No, I don't think so. But would he after three? If it was like this past season, yeah, I, I absolutely think that Joe Castiglione would. So he's under a ton of pressure. I don't know that it's the most pressure nationally, John, but I don't know that it's too far away based on just how bad last season was for Oklahoma. I get it's year one and you got your grace year, but if year two goes anything like year one did, oh man, he's absolutely on the hot seat going into year three. But I, I'm very confident that that type of conversation, I don't think we're going to have to worry too much about that. If we're frustrated by, you know, two, three, even four losses with a bowl game or something, okay, I could see that scenario. But the outright failure, really, that last season was for Oklahoma, I don't think we're going to be looking at that with Oklahoma this season. I do think that you'll see gradual improvement, which I think is the point that you're getting at, John, that it's it could. It could because of how good Venables and his staff and honestly how the schedule's not that intimidating, John. I do think you could almost – snap your fingers and see Oklahoma back to a double figure win team. But uh, it also could be gradual too. I'm hoping that we don't see the bottom come out like we did a season ago. If that happens, man, that will be incredibly, incredibly alarming about where things are going. 
Yeah, and and we can't lose 49 nothing either. <laughs> Not again. And listen, I I think Texas is going to be the favorite, but Oklahoma needs to beat Texas. They got to write that wrong. They absolutely do. And I will be disappointed if they don't. I'm not going to sit here and like be okay with Texas being the favorite and then uh, and then be like, oh, well, of course, Oklahoma lost. Texas was the favorite. Nah, screw that mess. Nah, Oklahoma's got to go into the Red River Showdown. They got to win that game. They absolutely do. Everything changes if they win that game because it completely shows and reveals what that 2022 game was. A complete aberration that didn't doesn't belong anywhere near football field. Just a complete miscalculation by that staff. And they can just be like, well, guys, sorry, we screwed that one. Like it, it just, nothing went right for us in that game. And, and just and completely right the ship, right the wrong, completely erase that memory. You know, Texas, who you know, college football news is putting in the college football playoff. You go into Red River Showdown, you win that game, you completely dash those hopes. That would be well, chef's kiss. Um, another question here, Josh. Players that get drafted day one or day two. I think we've talked a little bit about that. We haven't covered much NFL draft stuff because most honestly, Oklahoma Sooner fans don't really aren't that interested uh, in the NFL or NFL draft stuff. But uh, it's looking like Anton Harrison is going to be your highest drafted Oklahoma Sooner into the first round, top of the second round. You could see I could see anywhere going from 18 to 35 uh, for him, just depending on how the board falls for teams. Yeah, I, I think Anton Harrison, good chance he's a first round guy. It would be surprising almost if he's if he's not to some degree, John, but definitely high second round. If not, uh, if not a first round guy, I expect Mims to be off the board in short order behind Anton Harrison. And then I think you start looking at uh, Wanye Morris and others for Oklahoma. You, you don't really have, you know, I mean, this just isn't the year for Oklahoma where you have what in the NBA would be, I don't think, John, unless somebody's fallen in love with Anton Harrison and we're not really hearing that buzz, per se. Not that we're hearing a bunch of negative things, but you're not hearing that, oh, there's one team that's just absolutely in love with him and likes him more than Paris Johnson or Skaronsky, right? He's he's regarded as a potential first-round guy, but if you compare it to, like, say, the NBA draft, OU doesn't really feel like they have that lottery pick guy in right. this go-around. They might have a first-round guy, probably have uh, multiple first three round guys. And then beyond that, we'll, we'll see where uh, everybody else falls. Yeah. It's probably going to be just, if I was mock drafting the Oklahoma Sooners, it's probably gonna be Anton Harrison, Marvin Mims, probably Wanya Morris in the third, Eric Gray in the third or fourth. Uh, and then you're looking at, you know, Jalen Redmond in the fifth. I think Braden Willis is probably gonna be fifth, sixth. Uh, you know, guy, Dane Brugler over at the athletic guy that I really like to follow for draft stuff has you know him as the 15th best tight end in the draft. Somebody's going to get a steal with him. Um, and then I think Chris Murray, you're probably looking at a, a seventh round or undrafted free agent guy. Uh, and then who else is there out there that's going to be drafted or declared? CJ Colden, I, I don't think he'll get drafted just because he didn't have enough power five experience uh, for teams. But there's there are some good Oklahoma Sooners in the draft, and you won't be disappointed if you watch the draft at all. Uh, final thing we're going to touch on because we got to, man. We got to celebrate. Jalen Hurts got that bag of money. Going to go do some Scrooge McDuck swimming in the pool tonight. Um, got the bag, man. $179 million guaranteed. $110 million signing bonus that was broke today. Five years, $255 million contract extension. He was set to make $4.2 million 
in the final year of his rookie contract for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a pretty nice little raise there uh, for our man, Jalen Hurts, the former Alabama and Oklahoma Sooners quarterback. Which thank you, Will Compton, for being the first to make the congratulations to the Oklahoma Sooners quarterback joke and giving <laughs> Alabama zero credit whatsoever. It's uh, a debate that is going to be fun to follow for the next decade plus. It seems like there's it's funny. There's some Alabama fans that really take that thing pretty seriously. But I think educated minds understand that obviously both Alabama and Oklahoma get uh, plenty of credit for one Jalen Hurts. And more than anything, man, just happy for him. I mean, it's a great. It's a great success story in really any walk of life. And I know football, you know, Plank, who I do the radio stuff with, John, always says sports is not real life. So do not compare yourself to sports. But I do think in this one particular instance, Jalen Hurts is a a shining, shining example of, man, even if you are not regarded as that can't miss guy with the the rocket arm and not that Jalen Hurts has a bad arm or just on and on and on. Okay, he doesn't have 4-3 speed as a quarterback or whatever Lamar Jackson's speed would be. Here's somebody that has a lot of really nice traits, John, that has just kept working at something that they love and works so hard at it that now is is rewarded because they're a great leader and they work incredibly hard and they, at every step of their life, continue to get better. And that's really kind of the Jalen Hurts story. It's a, It's an incredible one. And that's, that's what I was talking to my wife about today when the news broke. And uh, she's a big Jalen Hurts fan, um, Oklahoma Center fan. You know, she all, we always talk about keeping the main thing the main thing in our house as well. But, you know, just you're right, man, the work ethic. It, it's inspiring. Um, a dude that has been through the things that he went through and never complained about it, didn't cry about it, just went back to work. He just got back to work. And, you know, yeah, he found an opportunity. Um, with Oklahoma that allowed him to continue to develop his game and, you know, put some really good tape uh, on, on film. And I think that that's just so cool, you know, to see him rewarded in such a way, like even though he's a Philadelphia Eagle and as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I, I loathe the Eagles. I hate them. I, 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 I hate, I can't find, I can't bring myself to root against Jalen hurts because he's such a, just a good dude who you want, you want to kind of be like, you want to work hard. You know, like if there's something I'm not doing well, I want to get better at it. I want to not, not just like let my weakness be a weakness, but try to turn my weakness into a strength and then see that success. You know, you know, it's just like, you know, Eric saying in the chat, Jalen never quits believing in himself. And it's exactly right. Like he's never stopped believing that he was a really good quarterback. You know, he's a, he, and he's got all the intangibles to, to be one of the greats. He's a leader. You know, he's, he's tough. He's intelligent. He's a hard worker. He's somebody that does all the little things really, really well. And now he's becoming a really good passer at the NFL level. And so it's just to see him have that success is so much fun. And to see him get that big, big bag of money, you know, thrown his way. Congratulations to him. You know, we're Alabama quarterback, Oklahoma quarterback, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. He's all those things because all of it's mattered in his progression, in his development to get him to this point. So congrats to you, Jalen. It's been fun to watch you. And I uh, hope you go 0-2 against the Dallas Cowboys next year because we, we, we need a couple wins. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the show. Again, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Thanks for hanging out with us in the chat room. We always enjoy seeing your comments, even though sometimes they can be distracting to me as the show is going on. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Follow myself on Twitter 
at John Nine Williams. Follow the show at Locked On Sooners. And until next time, Boomer Sooner.